Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How are we today? We are fit as a fiddle today. Things have changed. Things are moving and things are... It only takes one workout. It is full on. So for anyone that has no idea what I'm talking about, I've literally been rambling on social media that I'm starting a challenge to do some exercise and it's purely for my mental strength and my physical strength because I went to Wet n Wild for Billy's birthday a few weeks ago and I no joke was out of breath. I couldn't get up the stairs and I'm like, okay, you need to start doing something in terms of like exercise. Oh, Oh my gosh, you have a huge excuse. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I it's not even that. It's like the, the the main thing is I probably drink too much. I eat the wrong things at the wrong time. And yes, that is all well and good if you do it every now and then. But I feel like I just need something to kickstart me and make me feel a little bit more better about myself be positive waking up in the morning, completing challenges, doing things like that. So I hope I stick to it. I don't usually hold myself accountable, but this time I am, and I've got a lot of friends and other people following along. So I'm excited. It's before Christmas. My question is, it's an eight-week challenge, but isn't it like six weeks till Christmas? No, so it is an eight-week challenge, but I'm going to do it until seven (laughs) weeks. So it's going to finish on the 19th because realistically, as if I'm going to do a challenge just the week through Christmas. So I'm going to do that. And what this for me is all about is something that I can continue as a lifestyle. Like I'm not going to do things and go, oh, well, I can't do that in three months time. That's not achievable or attainable. So I'm trying to do something that I'm not going to get burnt out or overwhelmed. I'm trying to do something that, you know, if I push myself too far, then I will just go, oh, fuck this. Let's just find something easier. So I want to do it um, with... Properly. Yeah, I want to do it properly and I don't want to go too... I don't want to go too crazy. So yeah, yeah, no, it's good. But how are you? I'm good. So it was funny because I listened back to this episode. Yeah, what'd you think? And I was like, I, I thought it was good, but I was like, God, you're a whinger. Who me? It really hasn't been that. No, no, me. <laughs> It really hasn't been that bad. Like, oh my God, you're so negative. All you do is whinge, whinge, whinge. And then this morning I did Pilates and I was literally like swallowing down slash coughing down reflux the entire time. The class finished. I went downstairs (laughs) and vomited in the bin of a cafe's toilet. (laughs) And I was like, now you know what? This is fucked. I'm going to whinge. So I'm just letting myself whinge. If you don't want to listen to whinging, don't listen to this episode. 
She's sitting in a dressing gown. She's going to whinge away and you you can have I've a day had, of I've had Gavis gone and Zofran for breakfast. So, yeah, no, I'm in general I'm good though. I will say my heart goes out to any parents who deal with difficult daycare drop-offs regularly. Mm. I had an absolute Barry last week with Poppy out of the blue, nowhere. She just decided on Thursday that she did not want to go. She goes Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and she got it in her head that it was unfair that she was going two days in a row and she lost it. And it was so out of character. Like sometimes they're a little bit clingy. Sometimes there's literally like a tear here or there, but generally drop-offs are good. This was screaming crying, refusing to get out of the car, but like I can't get into the back seat in my current (laughs) state. I can't get into the back seat to like get her out. And even if I wasn't pregnant, it's like she's at that age that if you get into the back, she jumps into the front. If you Like we've all been there where you're trying to chase a kid around the car and you just look like, like a mouse or something. It was so upsetting. I ended up crying in the daycare centre. It's the first time I've cried in a daycare. It just, it really shook me all day and it was one of those moments, I think especially because it was one-off where I was like, what's the right thing to do in this situation? Like do I force her to go when she really doesn't want to go and this is out of character so there's obviously a reason she doesn't want to go Or does she need to realise that sometimes you just have to do hard things? You know, like it was so conflicting. So I sat in the car park for 20 minutes crying and then I called the daycare centre 20 minutes later and I just made a pact with myself. I was like, like, if she's still as distraught as she was 20 minutes ago, I'll just go back in and pick her up because obviously there's like a major reason why she doesn't want to go today. But if she's fine, then I'll just go. Anyway, I called and, of course, she's up in preschool. Mm. She just had something to eat with Goldie. She's fine. She's happily playing with the kids. But it honestly... Tore you apart. It shook me. It shook me for the day. I felt like shit all day and I just thought, oh, my gosh, my heart goes out to any parents that deal with that regularly Mm. because you would be so conflicted about sending them and... I feel like every morning you would wake up, like like on Monday when I woke up because it was her first day back since the Thursday, I was like, oh, we're going to have to deal with that again. Like, And now I'm kind of like, oh, my God, this Thursday, is she going to be the same because she will have gone two days in a row? Like, it's And a you'll lot. hear in this episode that she's going up and up, like she's going to do four days next year. So I'm like, oh, my God, is she going to survive that. Like it's just, it's really, I feel like you hear people say, oh, daycare drop-offs are hard. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just rip off the band-aid, leave them and go. But it's really, really upsetting. It is. And it never gets easier either. I think when like Yumi does it every now and then where she just clings onto my leg and screams the whole daycare center down. And I find that if I, I have to do like a quick like rip the Band-Aid off. So I'm like, I love you so much. I sort of prep her on the way to school. And then when I drop her off, I'm like, I love you so much. I'll be here at the end of the day, have a wonderful day, kiss, and then just leave. And then I always will call and say, hey, does, or send a text to one of the girls I know there, Mm. hey, did she calm down? And I think Mm. if you find that like when you're picking them up and they're crying and when you're dropping them off, they're crying and the whole thing, they're just crying. Well, that's probably a cause for 
concerned. But, you know, it's it's always the way. They always cry for mum or dad. They will always, you know, kick up a fuss and not eat certain dinners for mum or dad. But if grandparents or daycare, once we get out of the picture, they're smooth yeah. sailing. They're like, oh, well, yeah. I can't do this anymore. I'm glad that she had a good day. All my strategies were just gone though. Like she wears this little necklace that has a gem on the end and I've told her that because it's actually my necklace, if she ever like rubs that, I can feel it and it's like her giving me a hug. And sometimes if she's, you know, sometimes she'll come home and she'll be like, did you feel me rub my necklace? And I'll be like, yes, and I was missing you too and da-da-da. But there was just nothing. She just kept repeating over and over again, you told me that I don't have to do do things that I really, really oh, don't no. want to do. And I'm like, oh, that's scenario dependent, darling. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. there are things you just have to do. You are the totally. boss of your own body, but in this case, you're going to fucking take care. <laughs> All right. Do we have any rude or fabulous? I have a rude or fabulous that came in from one of our lovely listeners. I'm going to keep it anonymous because she never said that I could say her name. So we'll just keep it anonymous. Okay. I was driving home with my eight-month-old who was so overtired and absolutely hates the car. I was still about half an hour away from home and my partner calls me asking to get KFC on the way home whilst hearing my son screaming and screaming in the background. So he said, if you can't, don't worry. And that meant I'd probably end up cooking and I was already brain dead as fuck from driving for half hour with screamer pillar in the back seat. Plus a Zinger burger will 110% make my day better. So I have a screaming baby in the back. I'm literally about to piss my pants, still 20 minutes from home and I'm panicking. It's like 4 p.m. I'm on a busy road the whole way home. I can't pull over because if I do, I'll risk having to get my baby out of the car screaming and there's Mm. no way he'll get back in. So I decided I would pull over pull my pants down and put a nappy down there and empty my bladder. I used five nappies and it felt so wrong. I vowed to never tell anyone about it, but as soon as I got home, my husband (laughs) caught me throwing a bulk (laughs) amount of nappies into the bin. Using your baby's nappies instead of pissing your pants in the car, rude or fabulous. (laughs) That is so And do you know what I wrote back? What? I said, did you stop and start? Your stream of urine with every nappy. She's and she said, yes, Good on I her. had to stop, get another. I was like speaking to a woman who is pregnant, who has zero control over her bladder currently. That to me is the fabulous part of the story. The fact she could stop and start her urine totally. five times. But I want to know. Queen, absolute queen. Kids do heaps and heaps of wheeze. Like how long was her wee? Like did she just want to make sure that she was not going to overdo the nappy so she's like, I'll grab another one? I mean there's no point of getting to your third nappy and then overfilling it and ending up covered in piss no, anyway. no. Do you know what I tried to do once when we were travelling in a van in Europe? I love that it's tried. Yeah, yeah. what did you try to do? I We were travelling in a van and we were with another couple and I'm like, oh, you need to pull over because I need to wee, like I'm busting to wee. And Harry's like, there's no way in hell I'm pulling over. We're on the motorway. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. So for some reason, <laughs> I thought it'd be a really good idea to get a bottle and just try yeah. and fit my bits in the bottle, like standing up over the bottle. And look, 
it actually worked a tiny bit until it didn't work and then it started spraying everywhere mm. and then I, yeah, couldn't really control that. And once you're real, like if you're really busting, oh, to stop that busting feeling, it, there's nothing worse. So, no. yeah, it got a little bit dangerous there for a second. But then I found out that they actually have female, like, containers that you can do yeah, that in. Yeah, what are they in. called again? I don't know. I'm looking it up. Oh, a shiwi. A shiwi. Yeah. So if you're travelling or any mum that doesn't want to use the or nappies. Or at, like, a festival or something. Yeah, festival, shiwis. How genius. Yeah. Anyway, and I want, I've want. i got good news. Oh, she good. also got her Zinger burger. So did she eat the Zinger burger while driving while peeing in the nap? <laughs> I want to know because that <laughs> is absolutely fabulous. She's good, but she's not that good. And when you're eating a Zinger, you want to be concentrating yeah, you on do. the Zinger. 100%, you know? not pissing. So should we get into today's episode? Yes, we should. Do you want to talk about it? Oh, I feel like you hear enough of my voice in this episode. I reckon you can take it away. So in this episode, Soph shared with us how her second trimester has been and it's been a wild ride, but I actually really love this episode listening back to it because I feel like it's like you and I having a D&M and we kind of haven't had, you know, the chance to open up and just sit there and have conversations like that. So it is quite raw and quite real and refreshing and I hope everyone that listens really enjoys our chat because you have no choice because <laughs> it's coming out. <laughs> Enjoy. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Jade. Thank How- you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure <laughs> to have you on here again. Now, we've got you back on because people absolutely loved your first trimester diaries. So we thought we'd keep everyone happy and give you a second trimester diaries. Well, to be honest, a lot of you asked for a second trimester diaries and then we didn't record it week by week because I was so over speaking about myself. (laughs) So instead we're doing a hindsight bit of a a recap on the second trimester rather than the week by week. We thought all was going to be sunshine and rainbows and it would be a really, really boring episode because you know how people are like, oh, I just want to bottle up that feeling of the second trimester. You've got this energy and you're glowing. And I was like, oh, who wants to hear anyone speak about that? In hindsight, haven't particularly enjoyed the second trimester either. (laughs) So probably should have recorded it week by week. But let's go. Let's hear what the questions that people had were. All right. So the number one question that was given was, have you still got hyperemesis and are you still vomiting? So I would say at the start of the second trimester was probably I was at my peak. I think it was because it was in direct comparison to my first trimester, which was so awful Mm. that I was just so grateful to be functioning again. But no, I've kind of gone downhill again. I still have a vomit every morning. I kind of wake up and expect it. And it's often just after I've brushed my teeth or first thing on standing up. Like if I lie in bed for three hours, I will not vomit. But the minute I stand up, I have to run to the bathroom and vomit. And I want to be really honest here. The thing that gets to me the most is not the vomiting. It's the weighing. So you're weighing more now. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, even with Poppy's pregnancy towards the end of the pregnancy, when I would vomit, I would find it really hard to like hold my bladder at the same time. And then each pregnancy, that's just kind of happened earlier and earlier. And I haven't had really many issues between the pregnancies, but that's definitely one of the things that I've found the hardest with having hyperemesis is this fear that you will be out in public and need to vomit somewhere. And it's like, well, the vomit's quite contained. You can kind of do that. But my fear is always the weeing. I don't know if you experienced that when you had hyperemesis. Yeah. So I remember having, like you do, you get used to it, especially in the second trimester that, oh, I'm probably going to throw up. So I'd pull over at the side of the road and throw up. But what I wouldn't be able to control is the wind. And so I would live. It is humiliating. And especially if you're out in public, like if I was wearing a dress, it would it's, I'd have to close my legs to stop it from, from going everywhere, but I would have to have piles of tissues or I would use the girl's baby wipes and I'd just pop them in there. And I just, I mean, fortunately at this stage, like my vomit is quite predictable. So I know it's first thing in the morning. And like, so as soon as I wake up in the morning, I go and I empty my bladder, but everyone knows as a pregnant woman, Even when you Mm. empty your bladder, there's still a little bit in there. But I wake up and I empty it straight away just to make sure that, you know, we're kind of good to go. And then I just like hold toilet paper there and try and like turn on every muscle that my brain can get to. And sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not, depending on the power and the projection. Do you you feel like it's worse like with your third child, because when I was vomiting, I had no control over my muscles down there. And if I was home, I would either sneeze, cough or put the shower on or vomit in the toilet and there would be more coming out down below than there would be coming up the top. And I would just cry because I'm like, I have no control. And it feels really... It feels really unsettling knowing that I don't have control over that at any time. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I saw that later on there's a question about pelvic floor, but I can just get into it. That's been, I guess, one of the things that has got to me the most this pregnancy is the difference I have felt in my pelvic floor. I went and saw a women's health physio a few weeks ago. I would have been maybe 20 four, 25 weeks pregnant when I saw her because I was just feeling such a heaviness and I was like, is this what people describe as a prolapse? Is that what I've got? I'm going to go see her because I want to know, is this likely just pregnancy related or will this be ongoing? The kind of thing that pushed me to really go was there was one time that Nick and I had sex and afterwards it literally felt like my uterus, my cervix was falling out of me. That's how it felt. And I I was so uncomfortable for the rest of the day into the evening. Like there was just such a heaviness there that I was like, is that going to go back up? Like, what is that? And then even recently I've had hay fever. And so every time I sneeze, I'm having to put every inch of concentration into it. If I'm driving and I need to cough, I'm like, I can't concentrate on driving and coughing at the same time. And I do think it's really got to me because I'm like, is this going to be a forever changed thing? Like, of course, you know, after having the other girls every now and again, if a sneeze 
caught me off guard. I would do a little leak, but it just seems to have really impacted Mm. me more this pregnancy and earlier. And I can just feel the weakness in my pelvic floor. It just, like my pelvic floor doesn't feel like my own anymore, which sounds so weird. It's taken its own own journey. Yeah, it doesn't feel like mine. And so I went and saw this women's health physio and she was absolutely incredible. She was so knowledgeable, so lovely to speak to. And she definitely said that I did have quite a weakened pelvic floor situation. She said that she wouldn't get too worried now about, you know, she's like, you don't have a significant prolapse that I would be worried, you know, that you're going to have a prolapse after birth. But obviously that depends how the birth goes, et cetera. And she gave me some pelvic floor exercises. And I just want to say to anyone out there, like if you haven't seen a women's health physio, you're probably not doing your pelvic floor exercises properly and you don't actually have to do too much. Like someone wrote in saying, oh, do you actually do your pelvic floor exercises every day? She actually said for me to only do it three times a day, sorry, not three times a day, three times a week and gave me quite specific pelvic floor exercises and there's some for like the inner pelvic floor and the outer pelvic floor and they're quite different and it feels quite different to how you think you're meant to be doing it. So go and see someone. She was honestly so lovely and it just felt really nice. It sounds stupid to do something for myself, but to have an appointment that's about me and about me trying to take care of myself. And the only way you're really going to know if you're doing it right is if someone is hands deep in your vagina and telling you, okay, when I press this and you squeeze and I would squeeze, she's like, you're not doing the muscle that I need you to do. I need you to do the back muscle. And I'm like, she's like, so you're going to have to pretend you're doing a poo and that's going to engage that muscle. So I actually had no idea that it's not just about squeezing and thinking that you're doing it. There's so many different techniques to what's going on, what wall's fallen down. Like I had a back prolapse a little bit, a slight one. Obviously every now and then is like you, I sneeze I pee sometimes but I can manage that like yeah. that's manageable it's but usually it was, when I run. it was also other things like she said that I really think you should take Movacol regularly while you're pregnant because she said I don't want you to strain at all when you're pooing and she's showing me a chart of all these different yes. consistencies of poos and she's saying you know which one are you at and I told her which I thought was a very normal <laughs> consistency I think I was like a three or a four but she's like no you need to be even sauce, soft, I was going to say sausage, sausage, but it's like soft sausage or, or runnier. And I was like, wow. And she's like, you know, I really don't want you to strain. And sometimes to avoid weighing, I was sitting down and then vomiting into a bin instead. Mm. And she's like, that puts so much pressure on that pelvic floor. And she's like, you're better off standing and inevitably weighing a bit sometimes. And she said, even get those little stools that like kids yeah. have to climb up onto the toilet and just rest your knees, your your feet on that so your knees are higher than your pelvic floor. And it was just so interesting. And actually one of the things that was really interesting was Poppy was adamant on coming to the appointment with me and I was like, oh, is she going to find this intrusive? Like obviously this lady is going to need to do an internal. She was fascinated. Like she was looking at the diagram, oh, talking through, and I was just Little like, mini and like of course, <laughs> of course she's not going to remember everything, but I was like, how? cool that she knows from like four years of 
gauge that there's muscles there and if we have, you know, issues with them as much as they've been described by society to just be a normal part of postpartum, like there is things you can do about it. And I was just like, that's really cool. So, yeah, the pelvic floor issues have definitely <laughs> literally and metaphorically been weighing on me. It's made me feel really just unsexy and not in touch with my body and just heavy. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to sugarcoat that because I feel like I've been very fortunate. I've had two, you know, quick births and and not a lot of pelvic floor trauma in those births and not a long pushing phase or anything in either of them. So I do feel like I've been really lucky. And then all of a sudden this time I'm like, oh, wow, that feels very changed. So how has this pregnancy differed to your other pregnancies? Yeah, everyone keeps saying like, oh, is this one like as bad or whatever? And I think it's almost like birth, like you can't really remember what it's like unless you're in it. And I remember at the start of this pregnancy going, oh, no, but this is definitely like the best birth I've, uh, the best pregnancy I've had, the best first trimester I've had. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, maybe this one's the second best after Goldie's. Maybe Goldie's was easier and then this. And to be honest, I just think they've all been hard and they've been hard in their own ways relative to what my life is. Like Poppy's was really hard because I was working full time. Goldie's was really hard because I had another baby. Like, you know, Mm. Poppy was only 14 months old when I conceived Goldie. And then this one's been hard because I have two other kids to look after. And then, but it's been easier in some ways because Nick's been around the most this pregnancy. But then that's also been hard because I feel like I'm missing out on so much. And I have this business that we've, you know, like, I mean, I'm a business owner now, which I wasn't before. So I can't just forego all responsibility. So it's just been different. Like I, I, I think that mentally, ah, mentally this pregnancy has got to be the most. I've found it really, really difficult to be positive. And then guilt comes in because Mm. I'm like, how lucky am I that I've been able to be pregnant uh, you know, well, four times in five and a half years, but three times mm. where the pregnancy has progressed. Um, like how lucky am I for that? But, yeah, it's it's just re- I yeah mentally this time I'm like, oh, I feel like this process is aging me. <laughs> how do you feel mentally in the second trimester than how you were in the first trimester? Oh, definitely better. Like I don't have the same depressive like ongoing, never ending feeling low mood. Like I definitely, I have, I have many, many parts of my day that I enjoy. I'm able to function. I can fathom going and doing social things, but it's just this feeling. I do feel like with Goldie's pregnancy, once I got to like 16 weeks, I really felt myself you know, I wasn't vomiting anymore. I just was very much myself, but pregnant. This pregnancy, I feel like I consciously have to make a decision to enjoy things, to 
participate to be po- to be positive to act like what my normal self is mm. and that has been exhausting and I definitely don't feel like I've had any of that second trimester oh my gosh if I could bubble up this energy and store it and aren't I productive and there's none of that yeah and and then I and then I guilt myself because I'm like you have a healthy pregnancy you have a supportive partner you have two great kids but you're still allowed to but feel I know feels. I know I know but I just yeah I I I I can't I can't even put into words this feel I just it's kind of what I said in the marriage counseling episode mm. where I have to say to my husband like I promise I'll be back mm. like the enthusiastic like zest for life person will be back. The person who looks forward to our dates, like even he says, let's go on a date. And I'm like, oh yeah, like theoretically that sounds like a good idea, but I don't have it in me to initiate. I don't, yeah, I've lost that bit of myself. I think that if anyone could relate, even without you having to explain to the absolute T would be the listeners who are going through things or have been through pregnancy themselves. Because you know, sometimes it's not easy to explain how you're feeling in this time, yeah. but I can totally understand that's how I felt as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to always have, or well, a lot of people do have these moments of guilt. And especially if you've got children that you're looking after, yeah. or you've got a partner that you want to make sure that you're doing everything for, and it's just a lot. And yeah. then to put in, you know, like you're growing a human, you're now getting, you know, oh, wow. Okay. You're allowed to say it. No, you can say (laughs) it. Hang on. I'm leaving the room. No, No, if anyone's allowed to say it, you can say it. But you are. You're you're growing and you're getting bigger in the belly, which means the baby's getting bigger. It's getting heavier for you to walk around. Even in podcast episodes, you're breathing heavier. (laughs) Like there's just so many things, but you're like, you're still doing all the things, but I'm even conscious that you're doing so much and this is just happening every day. So it's a lot. And it's suddenly hot. It's so fucking hot. No more summer pregnancies. There's no more pregnancies. Full stop. (laughs) Now, how on earth do you parent two kids while pregnant and do you have that second trimester energy? Well, I think we've we've got that clear. No, she doesn't. I think I've over-explained that one. I don't have the energy. I thought you were going to say I don't parent. (laughs) And I don't. I do the bare minimum in terms of parenting. I have actually felt quite proud of myself that I have taken on the approach that I explained to my kids what my limits are. Mm -hmm. Goldie is going to be three in January and she still loves to be carried. She loves to be carried around. Sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like I've seen your feet touch the ground for days. And I went and saw the physio and she said, you know, how much does your child weigh? Do they like being carried around? Do you carry them up and down the stairs? I'm like, yep, she always gets me. And she said, you can't do that anymore. And I have been amazed by my children because I said to Goldie, who's not even three yet, I said, you know, she doesn't know what a physio is. So I said, the doctor said. I'd be very impressed yeah. if she did. <laughs> so I said, the doctor said, I said, I can cuddle you as much as you want while I'm sitting down. She may have taken that 
a bit too literally and now anytime I sit down she is on top of me but I said I'm not allowed to hold you standing up anymore I can't carry you up and down the stairs anymore and I can't carry you around and she knows now she turns to me and it's so sweet and she says can you hold my hand while we're walking she knows I can't carry her and anytime Nick's around she's like carry me (laughs) so it's good to relate this to yourself not relate it to the baby that's in your tummy because that could be a negative association and I mean Look, my kids are really, all signs are showing that they're very excited for this baby. So I feel like if if I felt like my kids were having, you know, more adjustment mm. issues in terms of getting used to the fact that I'm pregnant, that there's a baby coming, I would probably be even more conscious about not blaming everything on the baby. But, yeah, I just say, like, mummy's pregnant, she can't yeah. carry you anymore, the doctor said. There's something about when you blame it on another person oh, totally. who has like prescribed that advice. They, they no get control. it. If I say, "Oh, mummy's tired," and I feel like I can't carry you, they're like, "Yeah, cool, Your cool story." Or like, "Pick me up, bitch." And I just relate that kind of thing to all play. Like my kids know I can't run around with them. They know the games that I can play with them. They know when I say. Nah, it's not happening. And you just got to take the approach of it's healthy for your kids to be bored and yes. <laughs> to work out what they're going to play on their own. And they're going to have to do that when the baby's here as well. So I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's hard finding that rest. I think I've said in other podcast episodes, I have definitely surrendered to everyone can just sleep where they want to sleep. Yeah. Like we don't push Goldie's naps anymore. She wanted to give up napping. Often she'll just fall asleep on the couch in the afternoon and we'll just make sure she doesn't sleep too long. She'll fall asleep in the couch. Like we've just taken that expectation off any sleep. Our children have taken over the master bedroom. (laughs) Nick and I have now moved into the spare bedroom. (laughs) because it got to the point where all four of us were sleeping in the same bed and we were like, this is fucking ridiculous. So we put them to bed, pretend we're going to stay in there, get up, go to the spare room, and then if one of them wakes up during the night, then we, you know, play musical beds. But, yeah, so my kids now have a walk-in robe and an ensuite and Nick and I are in the spare room surrounded by, like, potential keep or donate newborn clothing (laughs) that I'm yet to go through. So That's great. (laughs) Everyone says, have you got a nursery yet? I'm like, Nick and I don't have a bedroom right now, let alone a nursery, yeah. Now, how do you cope or deal with unsolicited comments about your body? Yeah, I've found this really hard this time. What have you been getting? Well, I'll I'll preface this with saying this is the first time that I've actually felt really self-conscious by my pregnant body. I think in the past I have, you know, I've always been like, oh, my God, I love my body when it's pregnant. But I think the reason I was loving it is because society drums into you that, like, the only pregnant bodies there are to love are the ones that nothing else looks pregnant except for the bum. Mm. And that is how I've always looked. And this is the first time that I've felt like other parts of my body have been affected by the pregnancy, which is so normal and so to be expected. But you know, like, totally. you know how it's constantly like, oh, this person, doesn't she look amazing pregnant? And it's like, yeah, the only reason you're saying that is because she has a belly and nothing else. Like, I feel like that and I'm like, what, three years postpartum. Like I look at myself and I'm like, oh, yeah, average. I feel like it's important though to, you know, say to yourself, oh, 
I don't love every part of me right now, yeah. but I am growing a beautiful human. Yeah, totally. And I think as we as when we spoke to Jen about the postpartum yeah. body snapback culture that's terrible, she said there's all this pressure on, you know, self-love and actually it's self-acceptance and that's what yes. I'm doing. I'm like I'm accepting that my body is changing because it needs to change and I don't have to love every part, but I accept that this is a part of growing a baby and I go through weeks where yeah it gets me a little bit down and I feel self-conscious and then I go through other weeks where I'm like get over yourself you're growing a baby how fucking cool is that you look incredible like totally it changes but the the constant comments on your body weigh you down because I do feel like we've got to the point in society where people comment less on women's bodies to their face maybe not behind their back or maybe not on social media or whatever but all of a sudden that just goes out the window when you're pregnant. And I've actually had some really interesting discussion with other women online who have said like they just cannot believe the things that people are comfortable saying to you. You know, it's constant like, oh, are you sure you're not having twins? And I just look back completely deadpan face and I say, oh, my gosh, you're so right. I forgot to get an ultrasound. I forgot to check whether I'm having one baby or two or three. I'll go book that in this afternoon. Like shut the fuck up. No, I obviously am not having twins. Or if I was having twins, I would know I'm having twins. Like it's just in its endless. And, you know, a lot of women are like, oh, I'm told one day that I'm too small and I'm told the next day that I'm too big. I don't have the issue of ever being told that I'm too small. (laughs) But I'm constantly... People are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you still have 13 weeks to go. Oh, my God, you're not due till next year. Wow. Like, where's where's the baby? And, I'm, and I, just, I just say to these people, I'm 160 centimetres tall with a small, small torso. The only way this baby's got to go is out. What do you, like, what, where do you want it to go? I also feel like, especially strangers, they, it's a conversation starter. Yes, but they don't don't realise. Yeah. I don't think that they're aware of what they're saying. They are trying to do it to have some sort of connection with you. And it's obviously the most obvious thing that is seen when they look at you. But they don't realise that you're having that conversation 20 times a day Mm. with every new person. And it's hard to not take that on board. And it's also grown men who suddenly you are having a discussion about your body with and you're like, this is weird. Like I don't mind talking to my friends if they're like, oh, how you feel. Like, you know, like I don't care about that. But like a friend's dad who's like, 65 like I don't need to be talking to you about my body (laughs) and I know it's not in a sexualized or they're not actually meaning to be inappropriate but I'm like if we took away the pregnancy side of this this is fucking weird we're having a discussion about my body and it's weird so yeah it does like I know I'm getting quite fired up about this but you get over it because you're like there's other things going on in the world than my body growing and I am so aware that my body is growing so we don't need to talk about it. Do you compare your bump to others? That's a really interesting question because I feel like especially first-time mums they definitely do compare their bumps to others in the same gestation. I feel like I'm in the habit of comparing my bump to my own previous bumps more. So like, for example, I was showing it about eight weeks this time and that 
freaked me out because I was like, if I'm showing at eight weeks this time and I carried quite large the other times, holy moly, what is this going to mean? And actually, I think that I would love to stress to people that I feel like in pregnancy, you do, you go through a growth spurt and then you plateau for a while. It's not this linear or or like exponential growth like you know there there are some weeks that you're like oh my god if I grow at this rapid rate every week I'm you know I'm gonna take off and it's and it's not like that but yeah I think I'm more in the habit of I don't know I was I was looking at photos of me giving birth to Goldie the other day and I was like wow I already feel like I look so different Mm. but that was comparing to myself. But also in the nicest way, you're also aged. Like you're also older than what you were with your first and your second. And like there's so many elements to every pregnancy that's different. And I feel like even comparing your your third pregnancy to your first, it's like it's unfair on yourself to do that because yeah. you've gone through so many things. Your body's changed so yeah. many. Like what you were saying in one of the other episodes, you've in the past five years have been pre- pregnant and breastfed and done all this physical work like you you can't expect your body to not change be different. Yeah, yeah absolutely but 100%. it is so easier it's easier said than actually listening to that and going oh no totally right because yeah. you're, you're gonna have days I I look in the mirror sometimes and sometimes I'm like just pick one thing that you really like about yourself yeah. today and I'll go loving my nails <laughs> and like yeah. that's the day yeah. but then there's other days where I'm like Loving the whole thing. Yeah. You go, girl. And yeah. that's all right. I feel like as long as in one, like, whole week you've literally liked some part of yourself. I will say in my first pregnancy I definitely compared more because one of my really close friends was pregnant at the same time as me and it was our first pregnancies and I carried quite big in that pregnancy and she was carrying quite small and so I would compare and then I remember there was this one day we were out and we bumped into a friend's mum and in the same conversation she said to me some comment about me being big and made a comment to my friend's Steph about her being small and after the conversation was over we both turned to one another and I was kind of like I'm so sick of people saying that I'm big and she goes I'm so over people saying I'm small because it scares me that there's something wrong with my baby and that put things into perspective that like it's never like everyone's always gonna have something critical to say and none of them actually know like I remember like maybe a month or two ago, I went to my obstetrician and I said, can you please measure me? I think that I'm growing too rapidly. All these people are making these comments. And he was like, you're fine. You're measuring perfectly. You look the amount of weeks you are. You're you're fine. And I was like, oh yeah, like these other people don't know. (laughs) And it's kind of like what Dr. Oscar Serilak was saying. People need to be mindful of turning advice and things that they're saying into stories about what they went through instead, because otherwise it comes off as a insult. Yeah. Whether you mean it or not, you don't know what's going on in a mother's brain. We're very vulnerable and fragile. And if you're gonna say anything, exactly, you could have had that same conversation. 10 times that day well, it in the could supermarket. Well, di- it could be different like if, it, it, like in terms of turning into a story, it could be like, oh, how are you going? I found this stage of pregnancy really difficult. How are you doing? That's very different to like, wow, you're looking big, like you must be feeling heavy, be parenting struggling. the other kids must be really hard, you know? Like yeah. it's a very different way of saying two similar 
things. I wish we I wish we could actually like say back what we feel, you know, hours later when you still are processing that whole conversation, you're like, oh, if we went back then, I'd, I'd say this. I remember the worst thing I, that anyone's ever said to me. I remember I was 20 weeks pregnant with Poppy and I got to a girl's lunch. No one else there was pregnant. I already felt like, I think I came after work as well. So I felt like didn't feel fabulous and I walked in and in front of the whole table one of the girls goes oh my god are there nine babies in there wow I just turned around nice. and sat in my car and burst into tears oh my god. and I told her once she was pregnant like oh, she got pregnant years down the track and I said to her and she goes oh my god I'm so sorry I now understand how that would have felt and I'm like I get it you can't know until you've gone through it and I know that people don't even necessarily mean what they say as you said it's just something to say but that's the point I think people need to say less and just not do less do less or say like I had one lady in the shops and I was 37 weeks pregnant she came up to me and she goes I just want to congratulate you from the back I had no idea you were pregnant And I was so thin and unwell, that to me was an insult. I'm like, nope, I've been pregnant for 37 weeks. That's what I mean. I feel pregnant and don't tell me I don't look pregnant because (laughs) I am pregnant. That's just a very weird thing to say to a stranger or to anyone. That's what I mean, though. We we celebrate pregnant bodies that the rest of us is untouched. Totally. Like why are we claiming that? That is such a weird thing to say. Uh, We're going to do a post and we're going to ask you all what has been the worst or anything that someone has said to you while you were pregnant. Now, moving on, have you been able to exercise at all this trimester? Yeah, so once I started the second trimester and was feeling a little bit better, I started Reformer Pilates. Oh, my God. Can I just say, I take my hat off to you, girlfriend. (laughs) I did that once a few months ago. I was sore for a whole week. Your glutes are still sore. (laughs) And you have a baby in your tummy and you're able to do that. I can't, I honestly, it blows my mind. Well, they adapt things. Yeah, I know, but you're still doing it. Good on you. I never went back. Thank you. But I miss, I miss working up a sweat. So I did F45 before and look. (laughs) I can't do that. If I did F45 right now, my uterus would (laughs) no joke be on the floor next to the mat. But I do miss getting up a sweat, but I, I, to be honest, even going for like a long walk, I, by the end of the night, I'm just hanging heavy. Like, do you I find can't. that you're like, I know this might be too much information. But I think we've, I yeah, think we we're fine. I, feel <laughs> I like, was describing what number my poos yeah, were at. True. I think we can, <laughs> we can <laughs> this move is a on. soft sausage. <laughs> I feel like when I was at this stage, like by the end of the day, my vulva was so swollen. I ended up having like a varicose vein. Yeah. So it went right inside and I had to ask the midnight, midnight the midwife if it was going to go and she said the pressure that the baby's yeah. putting on you right now, it'll stay there until you give birth. And yeah. it, it fortunately did leave once I gave birth but that for me walking was nearly impossible well I don't think I am physically swollen but it feels very swollen and the other week for the first time I got a real 
burning pain in my hip that then I had to walk around like on the tiptoe of that leg and I was worried that wasn't going to go because I was like, is this one of those, you know, ligament, like my dad was saying it was ligament pain and I was like, is this just it now? Like, and, you know, for some women it is. That's just you then experience that for the rest of it. And so I have been conscious to take it easy because I don't want that to start and then not stop. But it's this catch-22 where you're like, oh, I know that it's best if I stay active, but if I'm too active, am I going to have a searing sensation <laughs> through my butt and down my leg? And do you like anyway, swimming? So I feel like you're yeah, lighter when you're swimming. Yeah, I, mean, I do like swimming, yeah. But I feel like every time I'm in the pool, I'm in the, the kids, pool with kids, you know, like. Stop. But sure, maybe I'll have to just like lock the back door and go out and have a little bob about yeah, and call it and call cry. it exercise. Let them cry at the gate, and you'll be like, "Mummy's just having her swim." Oh yeah, down. that sounds super relaxing. Can't um, wait. Do you have you had that pain that goes like it shoots straight into your butthole? Yeah, I had that this morning. Oh yeah, what's it, that? And, and you sort of go, "It's like." It's like it's a butt knife. People who have endometriosis, knife butt, not butt knife. I remember. What what causes knife butt? Well, I called a hospital and (laughs) let's make this clear. If you're a first-time mum or even if you're an anytime mum, I called the hospital. I can't tell you how many times because I had no idea what was going on. So I'd be like, hey, I've got this shooting pain right in my anus and I can't move. I'm bent over the bath and I cannot move. And they're like, oh, that's just blah, blah, blah. You'll be fine. It will go away. The baby's pressing on a certain nerve. You've just got to wait for her to move and then you'll be okay. And she did. But when it happened. How long would it last for? Oh, my gosh. This last, like it it lasted for, I reckon, three minutes. But I've got to tell you, it's like if someone just shoved a dildo straight up your ass or even a dick, you would just spasm and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the pain stays there. It's like a trigger. It's horrible. I have not had a dildo or an ass, I mean, or a dick up my ass, so I don't know if that's what it would feel like. Have you never had a dick up your ass? No, I actually have. I just <laughs> yeah, wanted to sound a little bit special. That's such a lie. <laughs> that is such a lie. And you're like, and it's exactly the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Exactly the same. So I just had to make sure. Don't you like your woman in there? Your red hot go. Your lies around here, they won't. No, they won't. No. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. So. Let's talk, speaking on the topic of sex during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? How's Nick going? And is he freaked out? I saw the person that wrote this question and they said, my husband's too scared. <laughs> my husband's not too scared. I'm too scared. Um, yeah, look, it's very infrequent. Oh, I have to tell a funny story. Yes. I haven't told this story yes. on the podcast. I love this. Go. So the other week, so it has been so infrequent. Before this time, I reckon it would have been six weeks since we'd had sex and my builder had been around and he had shown my friend's parents around our house because he is about to renovate their house and they were looking at our floorboards because they were thinking of choosing the same floorboards for their house. And so we said, yeah, come on over, have a look. And they did, they came and saw them, lovely floorboards, and then they left. And Nick was taking some photos of me for a swimwear (laughs) ad I had. (laughs) And he was taking the photos and he goes to me, oh, my pants are growing. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? 
I can fathom that. You know, like I'm not excited. Look at bullshit. I can fathom this happening. Yeah. The girls were upstairs watching TV, literal middle of the day. Like middle of the day, girls were upstairs yes. watching TV. I was like, if I don't do it now, I really don't know when I'll be able to muster up the energy to do this again. So we go into like the powder room downstairs, which some people are like, what is a powder? It's like a toilet. small, like it's like the guest bathroom, but it's just got a toilet in it. And a sink. So anyway, we go in there and like there's no real surfaces. It's just a sink or a toilet and I'm bent over one of them. Yeah, you're bent over the sink. Um, I'll say it. The visual's there. Anyway, and this powder room literally comes off our like front, front entryway. So it goes front door and then it's like off the front corridor. Did you lock the door? So I before we went in, I'm like, oh, Nick, make sure you close the garage because people often access like through the garage and then it's like into the kitchen. And so he did. Anyway, we're going at it in there. I've still got my bathers on. It's just like a pool to yeah, the side nice. situation. And we hear the front door open and I'm like, oh, my God, they've forgotten something in their back and there's nowhere we can go. Like they've come in the front door. Like think about this. This is your friend's parents. Like this is boomers. You're pregnant. You're both in a powder room that is like one by two (laughs) metres. Like it is tiny. We're like, what are we going to say? Like why were we both in the powder? Like fixing a light? Anyway, so we both get the giggles. I'm getting like red hot, but not in like a sexy way, like in an embarrassing way. Who and, was it? And and I hear what I thought was my friend's mum call out, being like, "Hello," and I'm like, "Nick, you're gonna have to go out there." He's like, "I can't go out there." So oh. we're stuck and we're laughing, and then we can't hold the laughs anymore. And thank goodness it was another one of my friends and her partners who was like, "She goes." Are you guys getting it on in there? <laughs> We're like, yeah. And she goes, all right, text us when you're done and we'll come back. <laughs> and then leave. And I was like, thank goodness. I was so, like, I wasn't even embarrassed about being walked in on by my friends you were able because to I was. Or not? Yeah, finished. Well, I was like, we've gone this but were far. Were they just waiting out the front door? Oh, I think they went across the road to the park or oh, something. Good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't was- take long. God, yeah. it'd been a while. But anyway, <laughs> sex life is minimal. As I said, I really have to get in the zone because there's a lot of it just it doesn't feel good afterwards. So I don't think I had yeah. sex the whole time. The whole time. In nine months I did not touch my husband. Yeah. Did other things, just didn't let Did him. what? No, like oral stuff. Oh Yeah, I was fine. I'd rather die. I was fine with that. No, but just I would didn't vomit. want something inside. I can't. Me. I can barely brush my teeth nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, how's the sleep going for you? Do you suffer from insomnia? What sleeping positions do you sleep in at the moment? Well, <laughs> why did you read that like a news reporter? Have you got a pregnancy <laughs> pillow? I don't. No, actually, that's a question I get asked. Mia's a lot. got one. If you want to borrow hers, <laughs> she loves a banana pillow. She stole it off Greta. Any news? No. Congratulations. No, 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 not for a grandma, long time. Grandma, grandma, no, no. grandma Jade. No, no, I don't have a pregnancy pillow. I bought a wedge with my first pregnancy, and I didn't like it. Took up too much space. I just sleep with a pillow between my yeah. legs. Oh, uh, sleep's okay. It's not particularly rejuvenating. <laughs> it's not really doing its role. Yeah, it's all right. I wake up a lot overnight. Do you have heartburn in the middle of the night? Not in the middle of the night, but I've started getting it in the oh, evening. Are you sitting up? What are you doing for it? Oh, taking some Gaviscon. Yeah. It's more so like in the afternoons I then have some so that I can eat dinner. Yeah. Um, but I don't find it bad 
at night time. But yes, yeah, sleeping positions. Yeah. <laughs> I just sleep. Well, we've really got to the nitty-gritty, <laughs> haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I just sleep on my side with a pillow between my legs. Yeah, that's good. Um, and yeah, I like sleep's okay. I get I probably get up to pee like twice a night. Do you find do you find like when you lay on your back, your heart pounds a million miles an hour? I, I'm not comfortable lying. No, on they anymore. actually don't say they don't recommend you no, to lie on your back. No, you should lie on your side. But um, yeah, I don't feel comfortable on my back anyway, so it's not. I miss sleeping on my back though, yeah. and I miss sleeping on my front. I just miss <laughs> being able to sleep <laughs> however I want to sleep. And the thing that's so funny is when I because I'll lie down on my side and then I want to turn over onto the other side. It feels like three months. Yeah. It feels like a solar eclipse is happening <laughs> as I turn from one side to the other. And by the time you get there, you're hot. So you're I'm like, like, oh, I want to go back to the other side. So, yeah. Uh, when did you start feeling bub move? It was pretty early this time. I'd say it was around 17 mm. or so weeks. I mean, they do say that each time you generally feel it earlier. This is also the first time I haven't had an anterior placenta. So an anterior placenta is when it's at the front. And they say that because there's a placenta in the way, sometimes you feel movements less or a little bit later. So I had an anterior placenta with the first two and this time it's like up the top and out of the way. And I do feel like unless this baby's a lot more active than the other two, I do feel like I'm feeling a lot Mm. more movements than last time. But, yeah, felt them relatively early, around 17 weeks. And, yeah, the the movements don't really, like, keep me up at night yet, though. Like, I haven't reached full alien foot mode that you can, like, basically see the pinky toe. That's the third trimester. Yeah, so, um, no, it's good. I mean, it's beautiful. That's, like, such a beautiful part that's one of the only parts that I'm enjoying. <laughs> do you find that she moves more when you are lying like still and asleep or do you find like when you're moving around she's like, woo? Uh, a bit of both. It's more so if anyone else wants to feel she goes completely still. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I promise she's kicking. <laughs> yeah, there's been so many times that really I finally shy. got the girls interested in like putting their hand on my tummy to have a feel and then she won't move forever so yeah are you scared about having another child and how do you think you will honestly cope I actually have got to a place where I'm really, I think I'm so excited not to be pregnant anymore that I am very excited to have a baby. I don't know. I cannot explain how this is the most excited I've been about actually having a baby. I don't really feel any nerves. Nick and I have been really trying to kind of plan. I think that thanks to this podcast. I was going to say, don't we you have, because of yeah, how the conversation we, has gone And recently I feel like we've been having so many conversations about, you know, fourth trimester care and postpartum support. And it's actually been my, my husband has been so amazing. He has said to us, why don't we put, you know, and this obviously comes from a place of privilege that we can afford support. And he said, I would rather us have to pair things back when this baby is born than be scrounging around with none of us coping. We have just put in for the the girls currently go to daycare three days a week and they'll be going to daycare four days a week next year. We're going to see how we're going, but maybe getting our babysitter that we use along as a mother helper for maybe a couple of evenings here and there just to do like the bath time, bedtime for the older kids or something like that. Uh, we already have a cleaner once a week and that will continue. 
Like Nick's really into cooking, so obviously he'll do most of the cooking and we're still considering if we're going to have a postpartum doula or not. We're just kind of really like laying it on thick for the first little bit and then we'll just take the foot off the accelerator as needed. I will say I've had a real, and this does not come from, I do not care how many days a week other people's kids go to daycare for. Like there is zero judgment of it. Whether you work full time or you don't work at all, I do not mind how many days your kids go to daycare. I have had a real mental barrier increasing the days, girls' days from three to four days. Why do you think that I is? don't not know. I don't know if it's because it's more days than it's not in the week. Like so they're going yeah. four days and then they're with me three days. I do not know. And I and I've Nick is like, can you please explain it to me? Like what is getting in the way. And I even said, I'm happy to get our babysitter because having our babysitter look after the two of them for a day is kind of a similar price as sending them both to daycare for the day. And I was like, well, why don't we have her here for one of the days? And Nick's like, I don't get why this is such a barrier. Like I don't really, he's like, I don't really see how that's going to work if you're home with the baby you know, they're going to want to be with you if they're home, even if there's someone else here to look after them. And I honestly can't explain it. It's so, so weird. Do you want to send them for four days? I know that realistically it's a good idea. And as Nick said, like our daycare is so popular. He's like, put them down for four days now. If it's too much once the time comes, they'll be more than happy to take that. Like they'll fill that day in a second. You'll um, get to next year. You're like, I'm just putting them in for five days. Seven days. Can we do a weekend <laughs> program? <laughs> you don't need that extra day. Yeah, and I know it's it's. I know it's silly, and I can't it's even tell you what you the. For some reason, four days to me feels like a a lot. But I'm like, who even cares if it is a lot? That's right. And three kids is a lot, and having I know, a newborn. And totally. If, what if you thought about it and switched to a mentality like to this little girl that you're about to have we'll almost never have that one-on-one time like totally. the other girls have. So if you look at it that way and say, these girls have had so much time with yeah. me, but these two days, the extra day that they go to school, this is special time yeah. with her that you can, you and Nick can really dote on her. Yeah. So seeing it in a different light totally. and you know they're happy at school and Oh, they love it. They love it. I know. I'm. It's, it's just so, so odd. And But when I think of it from that perspective, I'm like, how cool is that that I get these days yeah. just with this so baby? Special. And I think there's something, the part that I loved the most about going through the newborn period the second time was how much less thinking there was in terms of like, you know, the first time, it's the oh. first time you've done any of it. You're second guessing everything. You're finding out, you know, what kind of mum am I? Like, how do you do this? Oh, that's scary. What does that mean? And I feel like the second time there's so much less thinking. And there's also the perspective of everything is temporary, the good and the bad. So make the most of the good, you know, surrender to the bad a bit or fix it if you can fix it. And I'm so excited to be going into it a third time, knowing that I can just lap up the good and kind of let go of the bad. And I'm so, I'm literally so, and I think that so much of that has come from conversations we've had on this podcast because this podcast was so fresh when I had Goldie. Mm. 
And I do feel like I've learned so much through our chats, which is a good thing. I, what we <laughs> we what don't I, just talk for no, no reason. We actually take in things. But <laughs> what I was going to say that recently we had this conversation is the most important or the most crucial part of these things. Like you just said, oh, it's, it sounds silly for me to think like why I find it hard for them to go from three to four days. That's a transition. Yeah. So as they were saying, I don't know, we've had a few podcasts lately that are actually saying the same things in the fourth trimester. Each transition in life is going to be either uncomfortable, unfamiliar, and you have to adapt. So for you to have those feelings is so warranted. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Very much. You're welcome. So no, the answer to that question in short, but in very, very long is I'm actually really excited. Like I know I'm very, very aware that it is going to be mayhem. Like there's some nights I'm putting the kids to bed and I'm like, oh, my God, this feels like a circus. How do we add another child onto this? But I'm also just like that's the way it is. Let's do as much as we can to make the transition as smooth as possible. The way I think of it with three kids is it becomes your circus. It's your circus. You understand how it goes. You know who's going to be screaming at what time. You know what fight and it took me a little while because I didn't understand that it was really going to throw me but now like in the morning we don't cringe when Billy's screaming over me or pushing her because you know I know that one is more impatient than the other we have worked out everyone's you know little quirks yeah and for that it's beautiful chaos because I know what's happening I know how to deliver my message to get them in the car and it is it's just like enjoying what you're going to I will, what you're going to unfold, I what's going to happen? I will say the car part scares me. Sometimes when you're just, you know, you're doing that car battle for the fourth time that day and then sometimes I'm thinking, you know, because I'm going to have to move Poppy's car seat into yes. the middle and she's going to have to have some kind of independence over climbing in herself. But she can already do herself up. Totally. But that relies on cooperation from her, which most of the time she's good, but sometimes I have these scenarios playing out in my head and it's what's happening in front of me. But on top of that, I'm holding like a screaming newborn baby and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do we add a whole nother human into this scenario? But we just will. You have you no will. choice and you, and you do it and you'll find a way and I'll find work. a way to manipulate the older two into somehow doing you what will. I want. You'll sit at home at the end of the day and you're like, well, I got through that day and yeah. here's to tomorrow. Yeah. I feel like remembering that even like you, you will, even though you can have all the things you will still have those moments where you might have mastitis or you might be crying because no one's cooperating or all the kids are sick. And then you're going to have these beautiful times where you just keep watching your kids, like your two older kids doting on their little sister. And it just washes away all the hardness. It's just, it is such a roller coaster being a parent, isn't it? It's been actually so interesting because Poppy, I would have said before this whole experience was much more maternal. You know, she's going to be nearly five when this baby's born. Not that she's ready to be maternal (laughs) because she's nearly five, but as in like she had such a more like understanding of a baby coming. It's been so interesting in the last couple of months and I don't know if it's age-related or situation-related, but Goldie has become baby-obsessed. Like all of a sudden I'm finding little toys tucked in blankets, everyone's 
asleep. She's constantly rocking something, you know, a teddy or whatever, saying, oh, they're going to sleep. Oh, da-da-da's crying. Oh, you know, she's constantly like breastfeeding a doll in the bath or or whatever. And it's been so cool to watch. And I think surely part of that has to be situational that there's a baby coming and she is so obsessed with my belly like she's the one when we lie down to go to sleep at night that she's like I need to give baby a cuddle and a kiss good night and it killed me the other day we were at the beach and I was putting sun cream on and she said can I put sun cream on the baby and I said yeah for sure and she goes okay baby I'm doing your face now close your eyes and close your mouth because that's what I always say to her so she doesn't get sun cream in her mouth and her eyes and she goes close your eyes and close your mouth and I was just like kill me now yeah because I just thought she was going to be classic middle child who was just you know and of course there's still plenty of time but it's been really cool seeing the way that she has already had to adapt and taken it on Billy's the same she's actually been that way inclined and not really that typical middle child she's actually the helper she's the person that balances the two of them out and I'm so grateful that she is the middle child because god help me if Mia was the middle child (laughs) she'd just be an absolute but you know what she's a stereotypical first child like yeah I'm not doing that yeah you can go to hell they're all so different and this is the other thing when we talk about genders and if people were saying oh are you sad that if this is the end of your pregnancy journey you know you're not gonna have a boy well the the difference of characteristics that all these girls have is sensational not one of my children are the same in any way yeah and that in itself is just the best thing ever yeah so good so good what are you doing to prepare for the birth and postpartum period well I talked a bit about the post postpartum in terms of birth not a lot like I've been very fortunate I've had two really kind of I've really enjoyed both my births they've both been uncomplicated I feel like you know anything could still happen I'm not saying Mm. that everything's guaranteed to go smooth sailing but I I do feel like I'm going into it thinking like I know what my role is Mm. Nick knows what his role is I'm actually borrowing a TENS machine this time, which I haven't used before. A company actually reached out to ask if I would like to hire one of them. And I thought it like, oh God, don't. It contracts your contractions or not? Like, is it like shocks? I don't like, know. Oh, I'll keep you posted. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, read the, it's, read it, the manual. Uh, yeah, I'll read the manual first. I'll read this. I'm sure there's a short blurb that would tell <laughs> me very quickly. But anyway, it's meant to be a form of pain relief. And then another company has actually sent me some birthing combs, which you hold in your hand and you press the like spokes of the comb into your palm and it's meant to do like Chinese medicine well it's like proprioception is like how you experience pain and I think it's meant to like confuse the pathways and that kind of thing and look I haven't had either of them before and have dealt with the pain fine so I'm only taking them there to see if I want to give them a go like I don't want to complicate things because I'm like I have gotten through this before but I'm yeah I'm weirdly excited about 
giving birth again. And where do you want me in the room? <laughs> like what part of the corner? Um, in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're giving a home birth. No, 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 no. You're here responding to emails because I won't be. <laughs> yes, you do deserve a break. We'll You'll give be, you a break. But actually, can we discuss on air, oh, am I having a break? <laughs> oh, we well, we kind of said you are, but we were supposed to back up a few episodes before you leave. We haven't done that yet. We're heading into November, and if we don't get around to it, I'm sorry, I'm coming in there with a mic, and you're gonna be recording. I mean, good content. I know. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing. I'm sure this will resonate with a lot of women, as did your first trimester story and journey. So we can't wait to hear what your third trimester is going to be like because I reckon you're going to be raging <laughs> and I want to get that videoed every week. So we will bring back the week by week. Are we going to do week. week by week? Yeah, I think okay. we should. All right. All right. Here we go. Wish me luck. Whoa. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.